We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome on in. This is the week two of the NFL Fantasy Football Preview Show. John McKechnie, Mario Puig here with you on this Thursday, September 15th. We are going to run through every game on this slate. A lot to get to. A lot of potential overreactions from last week. We got to keep keep uh, keep our heads on straight here as we get into week two because, I mean, there were some concerning performances and there were some performances like the Giants where it's like, what do we do with that? So, Tons to come here. Let's get the show on the road. Welcome on in. Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. John McKechnie and Mario Puig here with you on this fine Thursday. Mario. Any big takeaways for, from week one that, that need to be you know put on the record here before we get uh, rolling on to week two? Not really. I mean, I guess we're going to get into those overreactions and such. We're going to have to kind of just, in the process of going through this slate, acknowledge some of the surprising things that happened in the previous one. And, you know, so there's some signal there. Not everything is a blip on the radar. Some things turn out to be a, a lasting detail but uh a lot of it will not too and uh probably not going to see that good of analysis out there about which is which uh except for here where we are never wrong uh that's correct we are completely uh locked in so uh everything we say from from henceforth is official all right so we get uh the the week two slate gets off to an awesome start I, i mean this might be the best game of the weekend on paper and we get treated to it as a standalone game here on this Thursday night. So we got chargers chiefs, you know, I I think one of the, one of the stronger takes from this past weekend was, you know, the chiefs really looked no worse for where sans Tyreek Hill. I mean, obviously they spread the ball around a little bit more than they had previously. Um, You okay there on the, on the audio? Oh yeah. I'm sorry. Nothing on your end. I, uh, I had a, uh, my hair is too long and I was trying to get my headphones uh, fit in. Sorry. Got it. All right. <clears throat> Moving no on. No but... time on your side. Yeah, but uh, that, that that Chiefs offense looked sick. I think they looked more healthy in that game than they did last year, uh, aside from any Raiders games when Gus Bradley and his cover three would basically just serve up the deep ball to them. Uh, so, yeah, I think, I think the Chiefs offense looks great. Uh, I think 
Uh, like the Chargers being without J.C. Jackson, presumably in this game, uh, sets sets up for the for the Chiefs to be pretty tight on offense as long as they don't let uh, Mac and Bosa get to Mahomes, which of course is easier said than done. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And um, you know, looking at you know from from the fantasy impact uh, of last week, you know, how encouraged are you by by what we saw out of Juju Smith Schuster? Do we think that you know Travis Kelsey? Maybe, maybe uh, we were, or not we necessarily, but you know, the people that faded him, myself included, uh, might have been a bit hasty to do that. If given how he played in Week One, anything to like really take note there, and and you know, also, what do you do if you invested in Sky Moore? I think with Moore, he was always one of those guys you had to have the perspective of like, you know, ex- expecting or, or being okay with the possibility of him being basically a dud in exchange for what could be, you know, a lot of upside atypical for his range of the ADP. So if anyone took Sky Moore with the, with the expectation that they start him last week or that they get any particular return, especially in the first half of the season, I think they had the wrong outlook. And uh, basically they should just hold on to him because it's, it's unlikely that they get in exchange for him, whatever it was they were looking for in the first place, at least not until he, uh, you know, gets involved in the offense, which he was, he was the wide receiver five in that week one game. He was behind even Justin Watson. So uh, I think we both like, we both like Sky Moore, right? But he's, uh, he wasn't supposed to be this year anyway. And it's, it's early on anyway, it looks like that's exactly how it's rolling out. So he might not get going unless someone else gets hurt, at which point the chiefs might well be glad they have him and he might be ready if that moment comes. But until then, he's behind all of them, and uh, I like what Juju did in that game. I think uh, his peripherals look really good in that game. I know the volume didn't really break out in that setting. I think that's just because the Cardinals were a no-show. Uh, they, they suck, so why why use Juju in full capacity when it would be better served for a game like this one? So I, I expect him to go off against the Chargers, and um, not to say he'll outproduce Kelsey, but I do think they get closer to each other. I think they become like more of a one, a one B kind of thing. than They were in week one when it was like Kelsey was the wide receiver one and Juju was the wide receiver two. So that, yeah, there, there's potential here where, you know, that, I think one of the biggest questions of, of draft season was, you know, who's the right answer as far as this, this receiving core goes with without Tyree kill, you know, is it me Hardman? Is it MBS? Is it Juju Smith Schuster? And, you know, again, just one week, but it looks like Juju, the the leader in the clubhouse thus if far. If I can and then, say quickly, sorry, they yes. they were using Meikle quite a bit. I was surprised to see his air yardage detail because he had he had the six targets on um, like thirty snaps or whatever, and uh, he didn't have much yardage. He had that one dialed up right at the goal line, but he was actually at an average depth of target of fourteen yards. So that's a lot of air yardage per snap, basically. And if if uh, if that one play hadn't been at the goal line, you would have had more yardage to show for it. Right. And, and yeah, I mean, he, he still ended up, you know, like you were alluding to looking at the player page over on rotowire.com. Go ahead and sign up. If, if you're not already signed up, really useful Intel such as this, where he had almost 30% of the team's total air yardage last week. Yeah, that was higher than I was expecting. And uh, like Marcus Valdez Scantling caught all of his four targets last week. His career catch rate is under 50%. So uh, I would sooner expect Hardman to be to have like a, a spree of catching a bunch of targets in a row because he's he settles at like two thirds catch rate. So he's he's at 50 percent or whatever right now. He's if he keeps getting usage, it, the the play will eventually hit. 
And uh, a big fan of Mikol's uh, touchdown dance. It looked like he had been working on that uh, throughout the offseason, uh, executed uh, to perfection there. Um, moving on to the Chargers side of this one, uh, you, know, you know, obviously they come away with the victory against the Raiders, but it, I feel like this this roster is about as talented as any. And I think that, you know, the quarterback play with, with Justin Herbert is about as good as any as well. But the way that they let the Raiders kind of come back and, and hang around a little bit late in that game, I mean, you're, you're not going to keep the Raiders offense down probably for an entire 60 minutes uh, unless you have like an absolutely perfect game plan. But I still just kind of have that long-term concern about the the coaching when it comes to to Brandon Staley and and you know just kind of the this has been in existence since the Philip Rivers days. But the way that the Chargers w- will just kind of be the better team, but let other teams hang around. Um, so you know, do, do you think that that is correct? And do you think that that you know applies here tonight when you're looking at you know potentially uh, what what the spread looks like? Well, Staley seems like a smart guy, and I can imagine him over the course of his career learning lessons that he doesn't yet know. But I'm with you. I don't like what they do really ever. Um, I, don't, I don't. I hate their offense. I, I know that's uh, apparently Lombardi or whatever his name is kind of had issues with this uh, in Detroit and New Orleans, maybe uh, wherever he was. But they they just they make. Herbert do so much and Herbert in every single game does so much more than even the numbers tell you like he has to make so many tight window throws that basically nobody but Mahomes can even get in the conversation of and when he makes that really difficult play he gets like seven yards to show for it you know it's like he's he's making plays that should be turning into more points than the Chargers get basically and I I don't think it ever really gets properly you know taken inventory of so uh, it's like, it's, it's just irritating to me because I feel like Herbert could do so much more yet than they have him doing. And already he, of course, is great just on, the, just on the basis of, uh, you know, transcend his, his talent transcending the situation. Uh, but yeah, it's like Lombardi seems to be in charge and Staley seems to have given him his blessing. And they seem to really like this five yard offense for some reason. And I hate it so much. So, uh, they have Deandre Carter as like their de facto downfield guy. Now that they've phased out Jalen Guyton. Like DeAndre Carter runs like a four four eight or something. He's like a four five guy, and he's their deep threat. Him and Gerald Everett are their deep threats. It's crazy. Uh, they if they had some if they just had Tyron Johnson running a fly route every single play. If they told the defense this guy will only run fly routes, he would still get someone to trip. So, something would happen. He would just outrun some guy, and Herbert would make that kind of throw pretty well. But they just don't have that category of play in the offense, or like. To the extent that they run it, they don't have the personnel to execute it. So, uh, in any case, Herbert is going to keep being him, so you don't need to worry about him in fantasy. It's just, I, I feel like he should be used, I don't know, more like the Chiefs use Mahomes or something. Like, just air it out, stupid. He's got he's got this hand and arm, and he can hit anywhere. Air it out like Josh Allen does in Buffalo. He can do all of that, but they choose not to. It's irritating. Yeah, they, they really do kind of seem to, to keep the restrictor plate on him a little bit, you know, more than anyone uh, outside of seemingly that that coaching staff would like. Um, so w- without Keenan Allen this evening, we, we've touched on, you know, throughout the offseason, just kind of the lack of depth that this uh, pass catching group has, you know, like Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are very good receivers. But when one of them goes down, you know, that suddenly you're talking about significant playing time for guys like Josh Palmer, DeAndre Carter, like you said, Jalen Guyton. Obviously, we saw Gerald Everett get involved last week so you know with 
without Keenan Allen in this particular matchup, you know, what, uh, where do those extra targets end up going? Yeah. So I think they do oddly have depth behind Allen. And I think Palmer's that guy, but, uh, when they have, when they're fully healthy and in three wide, Palmer is the least likely kind of receiver to take advantage of that setup. Like he's, he's at best redundant, but, uh, as much as I thought Palmer was a really bad pick and objectively they, they should have taken Amon Ross St. Brown, of course, uh, he does some things. Okay. Like he's not a bum. Exactly. He's just super average just in a, as an outside receiver, as a downfield receiver, he's not really a factor, but Palmer is pretty big and he, by all accounts, you know, works hard and stuff and running in the slot. If you're a bad athlete, it's less likely to matter all that much. And, uh, this is a tight throw offense. This is an offense all about Herbert making throws, even though no one's open. And so the fact that Palmer doesn't get open is kind of immaterial if Herbert's going at a certain rate. So of course, Allen being out could bring down Herbert from his typical level of production. But if Herbert is like 85% of productive as he usually is, Palmer's got to catch something like five passes in this game minimum. And uh, for whatever it's worth, Herbert doesn't seem affected by Arrowhead. It's like every quarterback but Mahomes and Josh Allen and Justin Herbert struggles in Arrowhead, but Herbert's uh, just lit them up both times he's been there so far, including one time without Keenan Allen. Yeah, I believe, uh, you know, since Justin Herbert entered the league, like you said, uh, the the Chargers have come around or come away uh, with the victory both times. uh, Rivers would always struggle there. Yes, yeah, notably so. And then uh, last thing to, to touch on when, when it comes to the Chargers, you know, but I, I don't think that there's really any real concern when it comes to Eckler. Obviously, you're a little bit disappointed in, in the output fantasy wise uh, last week, but, you know, should be, you know, green lights for, for him moving forward. And then is Isaiah Spiller a cut for, for you in, in 12 yeah, teams? Rob, I mean, unless you're talking a big bench or like 14 teams and it's, it's irritating because I, this is one of those calls that we have to make and it's still easy to get it wrong because Sony Michelle has got at least one bum knee and he kind of sucks to begin with. Josh Kelly had the best game of his career last week with 34 yes. yards or whatever. His <laughs> third year, he's finally broken out with like 20 snaps that didn't have a disaster in them, which is a sharp contrast to every other time I've seen Kelly play. <laughs> uh, so I still think Spiller kind of sucks as a prospect, but I'm if, if I'm asked the question like, Will those jokers hold him off all year? I kind of have trouble seeing that too. But in the, in the meantime, you know, for this game anyway, Spiller is, I guess, their fourth running back. And uh, yeah, he's not going to do anything there. No, I, I think so as well. So uh, I'm lightly invested in him. Unfortunately, in, in, the, in the NFFC, I do have him. So i uh, going to have to probably make a move off of him uh, here in the short term, especially if... Uh, tonight he's inactive or you know just simply doesn't get on the field yet again um, and then let's finish out our picks for this one so again high over under in this one uh, 53 and a half or 54 depending on what book you're looking at and uh, Chiefs minus four to, to minus four and a half uh, your leans as far as the picks on this one and I don't really want to I don't want to pick the cover for the Chiefs exactly but I do think the Chiefs win uh, what the hell? I'll just take the Chiefs to cover. I like the Chiefs to cover, and I like the chief, and I like the under. Unfortunately, I think the the total is just a smidge uh, too high. Maybe the defenses show up. You know, the the Chargers defense looked pretty awesome last week. Not that it's going to like really 
you know, overly affect the the point total for the Chiefs, but I think it's enough to where we we see this one end up going under. Um, before we get on to our next one, we got a couple of questions here. Would you trade Cordell Patterson for Ezekiel Elliott? The, this uh, viewer says that he feels like Zeke is going to go off without Dak Prescott. Uh, I'm man, this is tough for me because I'm like. I'm so high on Corderell that I'm not a reliable uh, source on this, but I'm also higher on Zeke than most people. But I, I still think no because um, Dallas, Dallas is a much more dysfunctional team than they look when Dak Prescott is out there. It's like Dak Prescott, um, you know, he's, he's kind of a saint. The things that he deals with and kind of covers up for Dallas, and without him in the lineup they could just kind of be the worst team in the league or something. Cause they got yes. a lot of them too. Yeah. I mean, they, they didn't look good. And you know, to be fair, Tampa Bay is obviously very good on defense, but yeah, I mean, the Cowboys offense looked brutal Zeke last week, good. even before he was the only player who looked good pretty much. Um, I know I, I still think lamb basically cannot be blamed for anything, but Zeke looked good. I just don't think it's going to matter because uh, I mean, who, who, who even is there? Are they going with Cooper rush? Like if they're not going to, Believe so. Get Jimmy Garoppolo or uh, Cam Cam Newton would have been a good pickup, but they just uh, yeah Cooper Rush. Uh, I doubt it. I don't think it's going to go well. They 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 can really collapse better than most teams. Yes, they they can, and uh, you know I I think uh, it, it's coming uh, in in a pretty big way with that, without Dak Prescott. That that game on Sunday couldn't have gone really uh, much worse for them. And then uh, one more question here. Uh, should I drop Kenneth Gainwell for Damian Pierce or hold on to Gainwell it just in case Miles Sanders gets hurt? Uh, I mean, a week ago, uh, people would have freaked out about this question. Like, Damian Pierce, is you can't question him. He's hes the best running back in the league, I believe. Um, no, I, did, I was a little surprised at how badly it went for Pierce. I don't think he's as bad as it went. Uh, and this is tough to think through, too, because I, I like Gainwell quite a bit. But I don't think he's ever going to be a candidate for like 20 carries in a game, whereas Pierce could, even if even if it's kind of hard to imagine how he'll get there when when they use him like they did last week. It's like I even I have no answer for how it actually happens. But I think the potential is there with Pierce, but not with Gainwell. So I guess if you need like flex start utility, if you need to put this player in your starting lineup, maybe you stick with Gainwell. But if if you can afford it to you know let them hibernate on the bench then i, I kind of like pierce's upside a little more still i like pierce too so i i would make that move um you, even if you know last week was obviously pretty disappointing especially relative to the to the late uh draft season helium that that, that pierce got and this person likely invested in you know where he was i think he was like a top 60 player on Yahoo, but by the time that uh, Labor Day that's crazy, around. but uh, yeah, <laughs> don't want to overreact on a bad game either. No, exactly, exactly. Get give it a give it a second, uh, let it breathe. Um, before we get on to the Sunday slate, message from our friends over at Blue Wire. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. All right, onwards to Sunday. Giants, Panthers. Giants, uh, one and a half point favorites in this one, the over-under checking in at 43. The Giants... You know, one of the one of the you know more glowing coaching debuts that, that you could have had last week from Brian Dable with with the you know kind of real gutsy play uh, there or gutsy decision there at the end that ended up you know helping the Giants come away with the victory straight up when they were almost a touchdown underdog on the road against the Titans. Whereas the Panthers, you know, none of the cast of characters really were able to get going against Cleveland, and I think that you know Cleveland. Obviously, the quarterback is going to be an issue until Deshaun Watson gets back, but it's a good roster, you know, uh, one to 53 for the most part. So it's not surprising that they were able to kind of hold their own against that Panthers team. So, you know, do do McCaffrey and, and DJ Moore get on track here against this Giants defense? And, you know, what what can be replicated this time around for, from the Giants offense? Do we, do we think it's total wheels up for Sterling Shepard after the way that he played? Do you think that Kadarius Tony hopefully gets a little bit more involved after his limited role last week? Yeah, that was really confusing. I don't understand it. I mean, I think we know by now that Kadarius Tony is a little bit goofy. Like as a personality, he must be a little bit inaccessible or something it seems like it's easy for people to work with tony and become alienated with him and uh i i don't know why uh, but you know it happened with dable it looked like they were trying to get him going as their outside starting receiver in training camp they were giving him you know first team reps outside and then all of a sudden we get to this game and it's 
He gets seven snaps, no targets. I don't know. I mean, Wandale got hurt, so we'll see if that maybe kind of opens the door for uh, Tony a little bit. But it's like they had Richie James running ahead of him last week, and I guess he did a pretty good job or whatever, but I, I'm willing to bet against that being sustainable. He's just better, better college player than, than a pro player. And uh, yeah, there's something to shake out, shake out here. I don't know how you wager on it in the meantime, because it, it seems like there's going to be something that gives and a lot's going to change when it does, but I, it's hard to tell which way it's going to break. And when uh, Sterling Shepard, um, I'm not going to say it's chasing points to, to go after him. Cause I actually think he's, he's a, uh, I don't know, uh, not the most talented, but the most skilled of those Giants receivers when he's healthy. And I think he's just a straight-up good player, just one who's had a lot of bad injury luck. So I'm willing to bet on Shepard's skills showing up more and more and and more than these guys in general. But in that game last week, he was basically lucky to get that long touchdown catch. Like, if you look at his average depth of target at 12.3 yards, that's 74th percentile. But his air yardage per snap was only 48th percentile. So it's basically like it, it was it's the definition of a fluke as far as that one game goes. And now we wait and see, can he draw more targets per snap to create uh, a, a volume workload that would make his his uh, is that would make his point total sustainable in the face of efficiency regression? Because that's definitely going to happen. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't quite sustain that that level of yards per target, but but you know, encouraging uh, nonetheless. And then you know, do, do you do you find that like Daniel Jones has any maybe not season long starting appeal other than two quarterback leagues, but like any DFS appeal going up against this Panthers defense? I don't know, man. It, the, the Panthers are really annoying, by the way, because the only person who had a good game was Robbie Anderson of all people, who I was way over invested in last year yeah and he just killed me and then in, like th- this is this is when you get going again week, week one 2022 after you said this this quarterback that they traded for is a bum or whatever or before the trade <laughs> calling him basically a bum i don't understand robbie he is he's one crazy guy uh but i i don't think even though he is pretty talented i don't think anderson can keep that up so yeah dj moore has to almost necessarily get going a little bit but uh, the Panthers suck, and Baker Mayfield can't help them. And uh, that that they that they had such a that they got such a bad game out of McCaffrey last week, going against that busted Cleveland run defense. That's oof, not it. Sometimes stuff doesn't matter. Sometimes one game has inexplicable results that just don't carry over to the future. But running with Christian McCaffrey on one of the league's worst run defenses seems like something that you should be able to do. You know, it should should be a step one kind of thing. It shouldn't be like we're going to over the course of the year, hope to get Christian McCaffrey going a little bit like no, that your team sounds bad, I think. Oh, but I was under the impression that uh, Christian McCaffrey over Jonathan Taylor was the way that you win an overall contest. Hmm. I mean, I was, I, I was not particularly pulling that trigger, but I, I gotta say, I, I thought it, the argument made sense and I was shocked sure. at how bad of a game McCaffrey had, but you're right. fun out of those people. Yeah. Oh God. No. Yeah. I mean, if, the, the, if you have McCaffrey, if you have ex, uh, substantial McCaffrey exposure, I feel pretty sick about it. And I'm, I'm lucky that I was kind of like too much of a coward to uh, pick him the times I had the chance. Yeah. I have plenty of Jonathan Taylor that just by luck of the draw, I had a lot of like top three picks uh, this draft season. So, uh, I think I only ended up with like one, uh, McCaffrey and that 
you know, I don't, I don't feel great about it, but you know, I'm not, it'll have totally to get better. Out. I mean, it yeah, can't stay that to. bad, but yeah, it's still, it was a huge miss out. That should have, that could have, should have been like the biggest game of the year for him. And it was a dud. It sure was. All right. So final thoughts here. Uh, Giants one and a half point favorites. Yeah. I'll leaning? take the Giants. I will as well. Uh, coaching edge. I, I think, you know, that this, Team just seems suck. to be a little bit better. Cursed yeah, the Panthers team. just are ungood. Um, let's move on over Jets, Browns, Jets, six and a half point dogs against that Browns team that we were just talking about uh, that went into Carolina and got the win a week ago. You know, I thought I thought that this was an interesting case of how to handle the situation when you have a backup quarterback starting, whereas. The Browns went ahead and they threw it 34 times and ran it 39 times, obviously got Nick Chubb going in in a pretty significant way, whereas the Jets, and obviously they, they were trailing and it was a multi-score game for a decent chunk of it, but uh, they asked Joe Flacco to throw it 59 times. Um, that, that seems less than ideal, especially when you've you know, already like invested a bunch in, in Brees Hall and Michael Carter over these last couple of years. Uh, you know, you know um, so that it doesn't feel like this Jets team and even without the the Zach Wilson detail that they totally know uh, what they're doing. So, I, I mean, I, I think the Browns can just kind of suffocate them in, in this particular matchup. But, you know, maybe Elijah Moore gets going. Maybe Garrett Wilson. I thought he looked uh, impressive at times last week, but it's all just kind of hamstrung by, by the fact that they have uh, 22 edi- 2022 edition uh, Joe Flacco back there. Yeah, so um, I think it works out okay for fantasy when the, the way the Jets run that offense because they're up tempo and they they run a lot of plays. They had this happen a few times last year too. The, you know, those especially the Josh Johnson White Mike games where they would run like eighty five plays, and it's like, how the hell did Ty Johnson, like the third running back, end up with eight targets or whatever? And Michael Carter's got ten targets ahead of him. Uh, that's that's the uh, an approach of theirs that's happened multiple times in the past uh, 18 games now. So uh, I like that in PPR scoring because it just means like look at how many targets last week Brees Hall and Michael Carter got. They must have they must have had like 18 targets between the two of them, which you're right is not a healthy way to run an offense in real life. But um, I'm oddly drawn toward both <laughs> Jets running backs in this setting. Not that I'm gonna like build around them in DFS, but it's it's depending their prices and uh, you know, the various builds that we're looking at, I'm going to have to think about it because I still think that Cleveland run defense sucks. And in the event that the jets actually give one of these running backs, uh, you know, 15 carries or something, I bet they can do quite a bit. So I'd, I'd like to see them get Hall rather than 10 targets and 12 carries or whatever it was, maybe get them to 15, 16 carries and cut that target count down to four or five, see what happens, you know? And, and, Maybe you'll find that Michael Carter is a little more explosive playing off the bench uh, or, you know, playing after Hall does a bunch of carries anyway, because Hall running at 217 or whatever is a lot different for a defense to absorb than 201 or whatever Carter is. So it's like slow down that defense a little bit, make Carter look a little faster, uh, turn some of that 59 pass attempts uh, on Flacco uh, to, to carries for Hall. And I, th- I think they could be pretty competitive in this game, but if they try to air it out again, yeah, having Flacco throw like 50 times against Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom uh, with, with Miles Garrett chasing him is a good way to lose by like 30 points. Yeah, that, that could get ugly if they, if they copy that, that same uh, g- 
game plan over from the season opener. Uh, Univpoke wants to know, uh, Mario, where can we find your rankings? I don't know if you do rankings on the site, but what what uh what is your content yeah, schedule thanks, on a weekly man. basis? Uh, sorry, I don't do weekly rankings, but you know, feel free to. Uh, I, I would say you should subscribe to the site and then uh, contact me whenever you feel like. But honestly, I'm probably not going to like check the the user registry or anything if you just send me a message on yeah, Twitter well, or, or whatever. Yeah. But what articles are are you writing again for? Well, I got to do the, the Thursday DFS, so that's like on the site, um, the DFS section, and at the Sunday night DFS game, and then otherwise. I got to do the, well, I do the corner report, which kind of just takes a long time. So it's, it's like two or three articles worth of words, basically just talking about which receivers might line up against which corners and to uh, hopefully guess right to what effect occasionally. Yeah. That, that article to me is like worth the price of the subscription alone that, that you put in a ton of work on that one and it's always, you know, extremely enlightening. So um, that's generous, yeah. but uh, yeah, thank mm-hmm. you. No problem, sir. It's a, it's it is genuine. Um, Jordan wants to know uh, start uh, Kareem Hunt over J.K. Dobbins. You know, again, if J.K. Dobbins even plays this week. Uh yeah, I have no idea. I would just yeah you know, for this week, I would just go with Hunt. I guess like we were talking, and I, I think we kind of like the Browns to take care of business here. And as long as Brissett's the quarterback, they they kind of just have to do this two back offense. Like there's, there's slack in the, from Brissett's deficiencies that cannot be schemed away by passing. So you just have to give hunt those touches instead of making them uh, passes that Brissett can screw up. So if he's getting that usage and the jets are as toothless as they've been for well over a year now, seems like it should be knock on wood, two games in a row for hunt that are pretty good. Yeah, I, I think so as well. And I, I think if, if Dobbins gets back, I, I still don't see him getting, a ton of carries. And I think that that offensive line for the Ravens, no Ronnie Stanley, Juwan James tears his Achilles. I don't think that they're going to be able to generate like a ton of push up front, at least from what I saw. Yeah, that sucks. Uh, yeah. Last James yeah. is so unlucky. Yeah. I, I mean the, the double Achilles, like the, the football Mike Soroka that, but football, it's even harder to, to, to get back from that. So not good. Not good. Um, as far as uh, that is concerned. Uh, one more question here. Uh, Rob wants to know half point PPR pick two of the following. God, I hate Dallas so much. This should have been an easy one, but (laughs) the Cowboys just have to be awful. Um, Juju for sure for me, and I'm trying to think about. It feels disgusting. I think I think probably Waddle, Waddle over Cooks. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I guess I'll go with Waddle too. Uh, but yeah, I th- definitely like Juju, and, and those are good options to have. It's just a you know tough choice. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. Um, and then uh, Will has a you know question on top of that: with Waddle or Juju? Uh, I think I like Juju a lot. This week is Juju. Um, all right, let, let's keep it rolling here. We got you know uh, we we both think that the that the Browns find a way to cover that one at home. Uh, here's one of the more confusing lines of the week. We got the Patriots road favorites against the Steelers. And obviously, like, I don't think that the Steelers are a particularly good team. I think last week can be explained to an extent by some goofy stuff that that happened uh, at the end of the game, especially on that was special the teams. Game. Yeah. It, uh, but, you know, the divisional familiarity, I, I think that, that that can always make games a little bit stranger than, than they normally would play out uh, just on paper. 
I thought Minka Fitzpatrick had just an absurd game uh, on the on the defensive side for for Pittsburgh. Obviously, no TJ Watt uh, for for this game. He's got that that pec injury. But I mean, the Patriots. It, is there a single good thing you could say about the way that they played last week to where you would say, yeah, they're going to go into Pittsburgh and get this done? I guess it's pretty much got to be the Watt injury. I just think that is a lot. It's it's obvious to point that out, of course, but like I don't think it's necessarily obvious to people how dependent the Steelers, not just how dependent, like how much of the ability to compete at all for the Steelers comes down to those three guys, TJ Watt, Cam Hayward, and Minka Fitzpatrick, because there were there were drives that Watt was single-handedly ending even before he got hurt in that game. So taking him out, not that you're just going to have a breeze played against Hayward and Fitzpatrick without Watt, but Watt was probably the most valuable of those three. Now he's just not there. So the Steelers defense can be pretty intimidating when it has that pass rush going and all they need is Watt and Hayward to have that pass rush going. But without it, it's like the whole thing could kind of just fall apart. Like they have, they're basically bum corners. Uh, so it's like, if, if you have bum corners, you need a pass rush uh, to make the quarterback hurry and make wrong decisions. And you need, uh, that pass rush, making the quarterback make bad decisions so that Fitzpatrick can clean up with turnovers in the secondary. It's like, is there a better team to have bum corners to be going against though than the Patriots? Uh, what was that one? Um, uh, I guess the Rams apparently. Uh, but uh, no, I, I just think um, there's a lot wrong with the Patriots, and I, I agree with your general point of like, what would they even theoretically do well if? if if we just try to imagine them winning, it's kind of hard to guess what it would look like. But um, apparently the Mac Jones injury is not a big deal. I thought he played pretty badly last week, but it's also one of those things like I can't really blame him for it because I would have thought they'd play badly. I think it's a bad looking offense. And uh, the training camp reports made it sound like they have moving parts that they never actually resolved and, you know, set into place. So they might get better over the course of the year. It's I would I would normally kind of just take that for granted. I, I say might, and I don't have much faith in this case because of Patricia and judge being the people responsible for overseeing that progress just doesn't seem possible. So um, with that said, I think the Patriots have some talent on offense. So I, I can, you know, guys like Devante Parker and uh, you know, Myers born, they're, they're definitely not bums or anything. So if those running backs just get some usage, I think that should take care of the, And Pittsburgh did have one of the worst run defenses in the league last year. So, uh, this should be a game where the Patriots, if they're smart, try to get both Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson over 15 carries because, uh, you know, it's a tautological thing at a certain point because if they're getting that usage, it's like, yeah, they must have the ball and be getting first downs to to get that carry count. But I also think it's the only path toward that outcome. Yeah, so that that is a, a really, you know, key point there. Um, and, you know, with, without T.J. Watt, wrecking the, the, the limited amount of uh, dropbacks that the Mac Jones could project for, then that certainly uh, changes things. Uh, I think this is a pretty public side as far as picking the, the Steelers. Like I think when I checked earlier this week, like 70% uh, was, was on uh, Pittsburgh. And I think the, the line maybe still has moved like a half point in the direction of New England. Half, John. So, I mean, that's significant and that's interesting because I think common sense would dictate that you know what why would it be going in that direction you know and again you know the Steelers are at home in this one but you know even if it might be donkey pick like I I just am that 
not confident in the Patriots and their ability right now. So even with TJ Watt not being out there, I think, you know, I, I think the Steelers can find a way to, to win this one, you know, like a 20 to, to 16 or something like that. I definitely don't want to count out Tomlin, who to me is the best coach in the league, but I don't know. The Steelers just have a trash roster once one of those three defenders goes down and I, I think they're already there. Yep. So that, that, that really uh, is, is a big problem uh, for them. Uh, before we get on to the next game, got a message from our friends over at Bettle. Be honest. You care more about your fantasy football team than your hometown team, but playing in a season long league can sometimes feel like dating in your hometown. The same faces year in year out. Enter Bettle. In Bettles Arena, you can import your season-long lineup to play anyone on our network in a weekly match for real money. With just a couple of clicks, you'll be matched with hundreds of other players with similar lineups that you can choose to challenge week in and week out. You know, or We know you want to spend your hours every week pouring over your roster, so why limit yourself? Enter the arena and send your first $10 uh, to match to receive a $50 bonus from us straight to your account. Offer only eligible on your first match. Bonus funds need to be used on future matches and cannot be withdrawn. Go to betel.co slash rotowire. That's B-E-T-T-L-E dot C-O slash rotowire to sign up and import your team today. That's betel.co slash rotowire. See you in the arena. And we also got a message from our friends over at Vivid Seats. Hey, football fans, get your jerseys on and your tailgate snacks ready. That's right. The NFL season is back, and so is your chance to score tickets with Vivid Seats. Download the Vivid Seats app or visit vividseats.com to see your team's schedule, compare tickets, and secure your spot in the stands. As the only ticketing company with a reward program, Vivid Seats is the winning app for NFL fans like you. Earn credit when you buy 10 tickets, then cash it in to catch more games all season long. With tickets from Vivid Seats, you'll go from watching the game to being a part of it. Go to VividSeats.com or find us in the App Store to browse unbeatable seats. We'll see you in the stadium. All right, next game up, we've got Ravens-Dolphins. So the Dolphins, like we just mentioned, uh, took care of business against the Patriots last week at home. Ravens. They beat the Jets. I don't think that there's really much to take away from that game uh, necessarily. However, Ravens are, are four-point favorites at home. Baltimore, traditionally a, a tough place for, for the road team to come out with a win, but I kind of like the Dolphins in this setup. I'm always going to be concerned about the Ravens' offense as long as Greg Roman is mismanaging it. And last week, uh, I know it turned out well for the Ravens. I know they eventually got it together, but they started out really ugly slow again. And I, they're just, they're just not good enough to keep doing that and, and winning the games that they should uh, as often as they should. Um, but that said, I'm not going to pick the dolphins to be the team that knocks them off. I, I think, uh, I think the, the dolphins on offense are still fundamentally soft. And, uh, Going against the Ravens, I mean, granted, they're, they're certainly not the defense that they were like five years ago or whatever, but I don't know, a guy like, uh, was it the Owe? A guy like Owe, he's, he's going to just all of a sudden go nuts one day. And when he does, that defense is going to look pretty different. Uh, Justin Matabuike is already getting going a little bit. He can be 
a game changer. So basically what's missing with the Ravens defense the past couple of years is they haven't had those front seven killers and they've kind of been getting by on corner play, creating turnovers and safety play, kind of like shutting down the pass, even though they're not really getting to the quarterback like they did in the Suggs, Adelius Thomas days and whatever else. So uh, I think that that will eventually have, I, I, I'm pretty high on OA and I, I think it's going to, he's going to get there eventually. So uh, between stuff like that and, and the Dolphins organization still being dubious to me, I, I think I'll stick with the Ravens, but I think every single game with them is going to be uglier, uglier than it should be because Greg Roman is just so horrific. Yeah, I mean, he's bad. I don't think the personnel is particularly good. Um, you know, I, th- I think, you know, Duvernay, someone that, uh, you know, obviously the two touchdowns last week caught everything thrown in his direction. But, you know, I'm I'm just I'd be concerned about starting him necessarily in, in a season long. Like if it, you know, if your best ball stonks work out in a way that that, uh, you know, he he's in your lineup again, then, then great. But um, I'm a little bit concerned there. I think Bateman looks good. Uh Mark Andrews, of course, looks good. Isaiah likely got targeted four times, didn't catch any of them. But, you know, I think that's at least a, a little bit encouraging that, you know, right right from the jump, he was a part of that offense. I think he was tied for for third on the team in targets. I think that also the Ravens are not going to be able to run the ball, uh, especially if, if Dobbins remains out. So that that yeah. is a problem for them. I thought the defensive line looked good. Like you said, Matt Beke, uh, they still got Calais Campbell. It's a it's a solid group. I I forget what what the deal is with, with Travis Jones, the rookie out of of UConn, but I think that he's going to be a contributor. He he hyperextended his knee against Arizona back in the preseason, so I'm not sure if he's quite back. He's going to be yet. Good, yeah. yeah, no, he he apparently was was just totally tearing it up uh, during the training camp. Guy. Yeah, and they just let him fall for whatever reason. Maybe because he went UConn. to UConn. I don't. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that's that's got to be it. Um. I guess you've kind of sold me, especially on the on the Dolphins side of this, where where maybe they're not the team to to make the the Ravens pay for the the kind of inefficiencies yeah. that, that they've built. But you know, I, I still if it if the number stays at four, I think the I I like the Dolphins to cover that and lose by a field goal. Yeah, and it, with speed like Hill and Waddle, a busted coverage is more likely to turn into points with the Dolphins' offense than in most others, but. I just think two is in for probably a rough game because I don't think the Dolphins can run. Probably not against many teams, and I don't think they can run against this one. So if two is in this position where he has to kind of pile up volume, but the defense isn't really giving him one safety look, so they're, they're, they're giving him a lot of ambitious disguises because they don't respect the run and they don't care if someone gets caught out of a gap because uh, what is Chase Edmonds going to do? Like, get 12 yards? It's like it's not a big deal. So... Uh, I think Tua is going to get teed off against a little bit, and he's he can probably battle a little bit, and those guys Hill and Waddle can make some plays for him certainly. But this is this is a much more dangerous setting for him than the Patriots, who not only subtracted J.C. Jackson from uh, their defense, but uh, was also replacing one of their mainstays on the interior, uh, Dante Hightower. So Van Noy is gone. Uh, there's that was a, that was a vulnerable defense that he that Tua saw last week, and I don't think that is the case here. Okay, and, and yeah, the the Ravens secondary, even uh, regardless of whether Marcus Peters plays, although it's important to note that that Kyle Fuller uh, suffered a torn ACL last week, Baltimore native uh, too, so that, that was a bummer. But you still got Humphrey. Uh, the the Williams signing looks looks pretty strong. Chuck Clark is still. Uh, you know, a, a very solid player. Kyle Hamilton still hasn't really gotten going yet. I don't know if he really is going to be an impact guy 
uh, in this game necessarily, but it's still a, a strong secondary that I think can contend and, and you know keep a lid maybe on the, on this Dolphins uh, passing attack. And you know that that's really the the best way to to kind of hamstring that Dolphins attack because again they they are not going to be able to run the football. Onward, AFC South matchup: Indianapolis going down to Jacksonville, where they have not won since 2014. Can you believe that? Isn't that crazy? Um, the but are too good. The Jags are simply too good, folks. But um, also, you you have the fact that Indianapolis coming off of a a tie that felt like a loss. Uh, <laughs> almost felt like two losses. It's almost more embarrassing. It is the tie. two losses. Man. Yeah, I mean that's just. Uh, uh, although I, I loved the Texans last week with, with that amount uh, of points, but I, I certainly didn't expect them to tie uh, or, you know, send that thing to overtime, anything like that. I still thought Indianapolis would win, just not maybe by not more than a it touchdown. Killed a lot of survivor pools. Yes, it did. And I, I got killed by San Francisco. Blah, but, All right, those idiots. Yeah. Gosh, should have just picked my Ravens. Like, I just d- double kick myself for that one. Um, but Looking at this game, you know, Jaguars, they hung around with the, with the Commanders for a while until they didn't. Uh, commanders had a lot of success through the air going up against um, against Jacksonville in their secondary. So, you know, your thoughts on, on like, the Matt Ryan-Michael Pittman connection. Is there Are there any sleepers from this Indianapolis passing attack? I know that Kyle Grant, Kylan Granson has, has gotten a little bit of love in the Twitter streets. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's a bit hasty. Um, we know Jonathan Taylor is going to going to eat because he's Jonathan Taylor. But, you know, fantasy wise, what are you looking at from this game? I really hate the Colts offense. I, I thought there was a way they could make it work. And I think the approach they took last week is a losing one. And if I had known they would take that approach last week, I would have said, you guys are going to blow this. Um, <laughs> you cannot have Kylan Granson getting those targets in an, at a time when Mo Ali Cox is getting none of them. You can't have uh, the offense built to accommodate Naheem Hines and Kylan Granson. Like you need to use your best players. You, you're not good enough to take the ball away from your best players at the moments when they can otherwise get the ball. They got to make Mo Ali Cox more productive. They have to stop trying to find so many reasons to, to, to find a use for Naheem Hines. He's not useful. You got to get over that and put him in the backup role that he's built for and don't overexpose him beyond that because you're just going to – you're trying to juice his stats at the expense of the, the offense's health. So uh, Pittman producing like he did in that game and the, the Colts offense still having nothing to show for it shows that the design is flawed in my opinion. Like the math mm-hmm. cannot work as constructed. So they can either build an or, – like organically build a, a productive passing game on the basis of merit – or they can keep clinging to this idiotic vision they have for whatever reason and then just keep uh, losing with it because uh, it's it's just not going to it's not going to work. They, they would need to add a player or something. It, it doesn't add up as, as a way to put up more than like 23 points a game, something like that. And if they're going to get the if they're going to get to the playoffs uh, and extend or get into the playoffs the way their ambitions uh, are in line with, then it's it's uh, got to be a different look. So. I think Frank Reich is basically getting bullied by Chris Ballard into building an offense for Chris Ballard's guys to get stats so that when Chris Ballard sends texts to whoever at the athletic and chums it up with them before they post something glowing about him uh, the next day, 
like the, those are the guys that Reich is getting. And specifically last year, apparently Ballard was leaning on Reich to give Hines the ball instead of Jonathan Taylor until after six weeks, Reich said, all right, well, sorry, sorry, boss. We're just not going to do that one anymore. Um, <laughs> by the way, they're wearing out Taylor to do this. They, they got, they didn't get a win against a pushover team in their division, giving Taylor 30 carries. It's like, you're, you're overworking your best player to get no wins. This is, this is what bad teams do. You are making fools of yourself. So, um, I trust Reich, but I don't trust him to stand up to Ballard. So I, I'm not going to get uh, my, my whole my whole thing about like the Colts winning that division. It's like I don't even have any confidence in that anymore. I think they can blow it again two years in a row. But uh, the Jags, they're they're a little goofy themselves. Obviously, their defense just kind of sucked last week. I don't know why it was so bad. I mean, I, I think the linebackers were pretty bad. Uh, Trayvon Walker was awesome. Hey, corners, my guy. The corners were pretty bad. Um I, maybe it was maybe it was like first game kind of like not jitters exactly, but maybe they had some coverage handoffs that are tough to do against a spread offense on the road in week one, and maybe they'll get better over the course of the year. I don't know, but uh, the one thing I will say is I think the Jags' offense is close, and I think uh, like you're going to see some people saying like, "Oh, James Robinson killed Travis Etienne last week." Like, eh, Travis Etienne dropped that touchdown and then Trevor or Trevor before that missed him on another touchdown. It almost worked perfect. And now you hear Doug Peterson saying like they're, they're going to try to run a little bit more. That sounds great to me. They should, they should lessen the usage of Marvin Jones and put as much of his usage allocated toward James Robinson and Travis Etienne. I think Doug's kind of working toward that conclusion. If they make that work in practice, this, this does add up. You get those two touchdowns to ETN. If he doesn't have his, you know, DeAndre Swift dropped pass of week one that mm-hmm. we eventually forget about completely, then they win that game. So I think uh, I think the Jags are close. Trevor will get there. ETN looks sick. James Robinson is sick too. They need both of them. They're both going to get more work going forward. Um, I don't know if it's enough to beat the Colts. You know, Jonathan Taylor's going to maybe have a big game against, especially this rookie, this rookie linebacker Devin Lloyd was getting worked. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's I think the Jaguars are, are more dangerous than the Colts would like to think they are right now. And it, it feels like you you know from the way that you laid out the the way that the the Indianapolis offense runs versus how Washington's did, you know maybe this does set up pretty nicely for for Jacksonville in the sense that they're not going to be tested through the air the same way yeah. that they were against Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, and Curtis Samuel. Um, so. You know, I like the Jags to, to cover Antonio this one Gibson, at home. Apparently. Yeah, Gibson, Gibson uh, was, was catching. So I like the Jags to cover four and a half. Yeah, I'll go with that too. Although, uh, I don't know, it seems, seems like their their defense is going to get rocked. But I, I think if if Trevor if Trevor and Etienne are just a little more tight, they can actually make, they can kind of keep up with some better offenses than this one. Yeah, I think so as well. Let's get on over NFC South matchup. We got the Bucks going up against the Saints. I didn't think the Bucks looked particularly great on Sunday night. Now Chris Godwin's hurt, um, but I, I think I that, that game that, that that game said to me a little bit more about Dallas than it did about Tampa. Maybe maybe Tampa like you know the the sheer lack of preseason reps. You know no no Tom Brady. You know when he was away from the team. Uh, you know you got new guys like Julio Jones, who I thought looked you know, way better than I ever possibly uh, could have imagined him to, to look at at this stage of his career af- after the way that these last couple of seasons went. Um, I st- maybe that maybe it all comes together for them, but I, I know that New Orleans has traditionally been a tough place for the Bucks to win, especially over the last few years. No, no Sean Payton anymore. 
However, I mean, this is a really tricky one for me to figure out. Where, where are you with this one? Yeah, it's not easy. And I definitely thought that the Buccaneers offense would look a little better in that last game. But especially given kind of like the limited availability of some of those receivers, maybe the Ryan Jensen injury too. I don't know. Uh, it made sense. And, and it wasn't super alarming to me that the Dallas defense kind of got Brady a few times. I mean, it's Dallas defense has a lively pass rush like about as good as any in the league. Uh, so they got a, they got a lot of like high motor, like gap shooting guys rotating in. It's like a defensive tackle. They're kind of like four deep, very quietly. They got like four pretty good players there. Uh, Micah Parsons is insane. Obviously a lot of, a lot of joy watching Tom Brady trying to, trying to escape the, the Micah Parsons sacks. I, I will say. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, well, if, on the one hand, uh, maybe Brady last year gets away from that somehow on the other, maybe he doesn't <laughs> guys like Parsons. There's only so much you can do about them when they're really on. And, and Parsons was, was definitely out of the gates hot last week. So, um, I kind of, I kind of, uh, while I wasn't acknowledging the, the Buccaneers certainly aren't what they are with, you know, when they had full strength Gronk, full strength Godwin, all that, uh, I still don't think the bad game against the Cowboys defense necessarily means that much. Uh, the question about how, whether they write the ship has more to do with like, can they get these guys in, uh, you know, practicing and, and building a little bit of uh, repetition and, and figuring out the routine as they need to run it this year. Cause they, they have to run a little bit of a different routine than they had with when it was the Gronk show and whatever else. So uh, it, it makes sense to me that they would finish better than they start as long as some guys get healthy at receiver. And that's the one part I can't figure out is like, how much do they need gauge? How much do they need Godwin? I don't, I guess the answer could be a lot and maybe they won't be there to be what they need them to be. But like you, I thought Julio looked pretty sick. Uh, Mike Evans is pretty much infallible. This is the one game where he, where he isn't though. Right. Marshawn Lattimore is bad against every receiver, but Mike Evans. Um, But (laughs) I don't know. I think, um, the Saints had a really rough game for like the first uh, 50 minutes last week against the Falcons. And maybe mm-hmm. the Falcons defense is just way better than we thought. But if it isn't, then the Saints are at best very streaky on offense. And I I think that would make a lot of sense if they were. And I, I don't know if I don't know if streaky really gets it done. Like they need they need Brady to get rocked to win this game, I think. Uh, so let, let's. Look at the at the fantasy studs for this one. Any concern about Alvin Kamara with with you know what you just said about the the streakiness potentially of this offense? I don't know. I I, I definitely don't fade Kamara as a talent, but I this is Pete Carmichael's offense or like Doug Marone or somebody like that. So it's not the same as Sean Payton running it. And you can you can give Kamara all the credit in the world. You know his talent. You can acknowledge it while also pointing out. But Sean Payton did put him in his best case scenario over and over and over. And it's like, maybe he just doesn't have that anymore. And um, whatever else, this is a tough matchup on the ground. I guess Kamara should be able to beat guys like Devin White. He's not exactly punctual in coverage. Um, So Kamara can maybe get going as a pass catcher here. But that Buccaneers run defense is already back to, you know, best in the league pretty much. uh, As long as Akeem Hicks and Vita Bay are healthy, that defense is really tough to run on yeah no it, it absolutely is so it's gonna have to be coming through the air uh likely for for camara to to return some value in this particular matchup 
So end of the day, Bucks two and a half point favorites on the road here. You're lean. I'll go with the Buccaneers. I I just I don't know. I don't feel great about it, but I'll go with them. I I will too. Um, you know, I know history is is obviously on New Orleans side, but a lot of that history is is no longer on the field or in the building uh, for for New Orleans. So I, I will end up siding with with the Bucks and kind of an ugly one. Uh, let's get to a couple of questions here. Appreciate everyone's patience uh, that is watching the live stream. Let's see who we got a bunch um, potential trade. Gordon and Fryermuth. So I'm guessing Melvin Gordon for Devonte Smith and Jerry Judy or Jalen Waddle. I, I I think would one of those guys I would, would have do to that. Be. But uh, yeah, and I don't even really have a strong feeling about Judy versus Waddle. But I would prefer Waddle. Yeah. So all right, there, there's your answer there, Isaac. Um, uh, Regier has a problem for this week. He has Chase, who he loves, but. Uh, T. Higgins also and C.D. Lamb confident in both. Should I play uh, Jalen Warren in the flex or put DeAndre Carter out there in the in the flex? So, um, do we have any news on Higgins and his concussion? Uh, all I've seen is just the 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 uh, conf- confirmation from Sunday uh, is the last thing that I saw from him. I can take a quick gander, Cause, however. Because if Higgins, I know this is tough with Carter playing today, but if Higgins is in, I start him for sure. And it feels wrong to put DeAndre Carter ahead of CeeDee Lamb, but maybe not because, I mean, it, it was that whole offense died when Andy Dalton went on the field. When Cooper Rush goes out, maybe Cooper Rush is better than Dalton was, but they completely fell apart back then. I don't know, man. I, I guess I kind of – I guess I would maybe play Carter today just because, I don't know. Yeah, man. no Keenan Allen. Yeah. It, I guess it's yeah. I guess it's uh it's now or never for Carter, but it's, it was also one of those things we were thinking never for the most part, and it's over Ceedee Lamb. It's t- I, I would start him. I, I would start Carter, I think, and and really hope Higgins gets cleared, and if he doesn't, then go with Lamb, and it, hopefully it, that will have settled itself, basically. Okay, all right. So that, again, the the Sorry complication there with totally the with wrong. the Thursday nighter. Um, <laughs> that yeah, that's that's a really tricky one uh, for sure. And then uh, one more here. Uh, Matthew wants to know, should I trade Gabe Davis or CeeDee Lamb for the rest of the season? He has, I assume that's Mike Williams, not Mike Davis. Uh, and Brandon Cooks as his top two with Hopkins on the bench. Uh, well, without knowing what you'd have to pay to get them, I, I definitely prefer Gabe Davis over CeeDee Lamb the next two months. I uh, love CeeDee Lamb if he has a real quarterback, but he doesn't. Um, but with that said, it, you can't just pay any price for any player, so I don't know. Yeah, so that that one that one is tricky. Yeah, I I think that you know targeting someone like a Gabe Davis for the rest of the season would uh, make plenty of sense. But you will be getting Hopkins be back cheap. eventually. But the the Cardinals might just be a complete wasteland uh, by the time that that he gets back. Anyway, uh, we are we are at an hour, so we're gonna we're gonna roll through these last handful of games with our with our quick takes. We got Commanders Lions. This uh, line has has moved since. You know, over the summer when when the Commanders were opened up uh, as favorites, the Lions plucky bunch uh, that that we knew going into last week, and it was uh, shown once again that they got the backdoor cover against the Eagles. Commanders passing offense looks great. Do you think that that translates against Detroit in the Dome? Well, those three receivers are definitely for real. Carson Wentz started really hot in that game. Then he went really cold and then he got kind of hot at the end with that McLaurin touchdown pass. I think a lot of that was bad defense. 
but the Detroit defense is no better suited to defend these guys than Jacksonville. So uh, Wentz should be able to get good setups in this one too. And and I I like the Lions' offense enough, I guess. But uh, seems seems like the the Washington offense is better built for a quick strike. Yeah, I, I think so as well. The the total in this one is forty eight and a half. So you know a lot of respect to to the offensive firepower. In this one, I think the I think the Commanders is is my pick here. Um, you know, one one and a half. Uh, I think the Lions could could lose this one by by a field goal. Um, still, I like the Lions. I think they're going to be really entertaining to watch, but I, I don't. I still don't know if it translates to victories um, just yet. Let's move on over. We got Seahawks 49ers. This line has moved a bit since uh, since Monday and Sunday's uh, obvious craziness. But it's still a pretty high line. I mean, we're, we're looking at nine and a half at bet MGM, uh, eight and a half if you're looking at, at points bet. So depending on, on which side you're on here, um, you know, you, you definitely have some options. But I feel like we're being dared to take the Seahawks. And I think I'm just going to go with the 49ers. I'm just going to rinse whatever happened last week in Chicago out of my memory this is still a good 49ers team. If they get Kittle back, then, you know, I think that things could be on track. Obviously, the the Mitchell injury hurts that backfield. But I think the Seahawks just kind of uh, like supercharged their their weapon for for one game on Monday. And Nathaniel Hackett certainly helped uh, in, in, you know, oh, to that end to, to help see <laughs> big time. He's a helpful but, guy. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, the Seahawks still should have lost that game. It, it wasn't just the two fumbles. Uh, by the running backs, it was also the uh, and the, the incredible field goal show at the end was what can you do but clap? Uh, but that was awesome. Uh, they also they also could have gotten beat a couple other points like uh, Hackett left points on the field throwing uh, high value high leverage targets to players who couldn't execute it, and uh, that was a choice he made that he didn't have to. So Seahawks got lucky in at least four or five ways, and. Uh, granted the the 49ers are on the downswing with Mitchell being out that's a huge loss they they don't have anyone who can do what he does uh they if Kittle is out they don't have anyone who can do what he does still they would have won that Bears game if it wasn't for them having so many penalties a few of which were kind of dubious in my opinion uh the Debo Samuel fumble in scoring range in the first drive of the game when they were raking up until such point uh 49ers win I think even if it's kind of ugly but the the 49ers defense is going to be really pissed off in this game I think so too so uh, even with the uh, residual anger that I have towards the 49ers for for giving me a strike and survivor I I think that they you know come out here and and kind of get themselves reestablished a little bit and again I I think Seattle kind of uh, spent a lot on, on Monday night, short week going going on the road here. Um, I think that this this game ends a lot differently. So I do like the Niners in this one. Oh, and then is there a running back du jour that 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 you prefer from the Seattle backfield now? Or I'm sorry, from the San Francisco backfield. Yeah, I think Jeff Wilson's clearly the preferred guy. He, he's limited athletically, but the alternatives are also limited athletically. Like Tyrion Davis Price is not a good athlete, and I see people saying like, oh, well, he's more talented. Who knows if he'll capitalize on his potential? There is no potential. There is no talent. Uh, Jeff Wilson's better than him. Jordan Mason might be more talented than Jeff Wilson. So if it's not Wilson, it's Mason, I think. 
Okay. All right. Good to know out there for, for anyone uh, considering the TDP. But anyone that's listened to this podcast since April knows that TDP, not the answer. Uh, before we get on over to our next game, a uh, word from our friends over at Monkey Knife Fight. Football is officially back on Monkey Knife Fight with all the NFL action you're looking for. And if college football is more your speed, they've got plenty of that too. On Monkey Knife Fight, there's no sharks, no salary caps, and no math. It's just easy to play, easy to win, daily fantasy player props. Join now at monkeyknifefight.com and you'll get your first game free. Then use promo code RWNFL to get your first deposit matched instantly up to $100. So what are you waiting for? Join Monkey Knife Fight today. And I can say, I do the Monkey Knife Fight College Football Show, and we record that on Thursdays. So check that out. It'll be up on the YouTubes, up on the Twitter uh, sometime in the next 24 hours or so. Uh, good stuff there. Me and me and my guy, Dan Watkins, chopping it up. College football, always a lot of fun. So check that out as well. Love our friends over at MKF. Let's go ahead, keep things rocking. We got the... Uh, Falcons going out to Los Angeles to face the Rams. The Rams publicly pantsed on in front of everybody last week. And it wasn't good. But the Falcons, they falconed once again at home going up against the Saints. Uh, th- this was earlier in the summer, like right before the season started. The Rams were 13-point favorites. Now that's down to 10.5. I'm kind of in, in the, you know, we, we talked about this offline a, a little bit. Uh, over the course of the week, but things just, it feels like it's pay the piper time for the Rams. Like last year went so perfectly. And, you know, now we have Stafford with, with the questionable elbow, obviously a lot, you know, Allen Robinson was trending on Twitter on the, on the day that like the queen of the queen news and everything last week, like that's how like people were, how much people were tweeting about Allen Robinson, how mad they were about the lack of usage for, for him. Last week, Cam Akers kind of kind of a similar deal. Uh, so, I mean, do the Rams fix this? Are the are the Falcons the team that they can at least temporarily fix it against? I mean, what's going on here? So, I think you take the Rams to win this one just because, uh, like, Aaron Donald could kind of just murder this offensive line. I don't know if they can neutralize him and even get the offense going at all. So, that's that's the biggest thing, I guess. But I do think there's uh, this this sort of assumption that the Rams are going to just be okay is not right. Like they can they can be severely screwed up and still win this game, but getting it all together, even if they get Robinson going, and I do think they'll get Robinson going. You know, it's like he didn't look awful to me. It just kind of it looked like Stafford made quick reads off of him based on just the the Buffalo corners kind of playing like soft outside zone and uh, Robinson running a bunch of curls and all that. It's like. If, if those corners are just sitting in the cover two kind of thing and you throw a curl, that's a good way to get uh, picked off. You know, it's like a good way to set up the corner for a pick six. So I can understand Stafford looking away and I don't think Robinson is nearly toast enough for that box score to, to have any signal to it. But even if they get him going, the budgeting of the offense still is a pretty sketchy thing to me. Like it's, it's a very narrow path at best because they have no depth. They have uh, no depth in, in the pass catchers. They have nothing in any, no no good starting point at running back, no depth at running back. And the offensive line might be among the league's worst. It might have been among the league's worst before uh, two of its guys got hurt last week. So they were replacing three starters in that offensive line from last year. Two of those guys are hurt now. Uh, 
there was one hurt. Logan Bruss, the third rounder from Wisconsin, got hurt back early in training camp. He was supposed to be one of their three new starters. So you're already down to a backup from a guy who was repo- supposed to be replacing one of the starters from last year. They have Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Cooper Cup, and Matt Stafford. And we don't know if Matt Stafford is playing with like a torn UCL or something. So I don't know what they actually have going for them under other than Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Cooper Cup. I don't think that's, that's like enough. The- that's like the type of team that like Colin Cowherd would, would be like, they have stars, but you know, they, there's really like no substance beyond it's like those they're guys. They're trying to do the NBA theory of it. It's like, we just need three stars and the other two guys. I was like, no, you have, you have uh, 19 other guys. You, have, yeah. you don't have two other, it's it's not a five person game. No. And, and like you said, you know, a, a lot of the replacements on, on, along the offensive line are, you know, really, really suspect. So, you know, it's, it it gets pretty hairy there in a hurry when it when it comes to you know breaking down what this you know starting 2022 uh looks like for the rams so uh just bob hot take here thinks that la dog walks atlanta that's certainly in the realm of possibility I like you know the falcons blew it last week it's not so much that they kind of like got lucky early and then got caught up too late it's like they kind of blew it when they could have gone for it on fourth and one they were rocking the saints run defense and arthur smith kind of just handed the ball back blew it that way so they the falcons are not some joke is the one thing i'll say okay and i, I think them not being a joke and getting ten and a half points that's it's enough more than the, rams need right now. the rams could use some joke opponents because they kind of look like one honestly yeah they looked miserable uh on uh that thursday night uh, season opener. Uh, let's keep going here. We got cards, Raiders. Uh, this Ugh. line has ballooned in the direction of the Raiders. Uh, it was like two and a half. Now it's five and a half. Uh, the Cardinals, they look like the losers. They, they look like a team that the Rams could take advantage of. Like the, the Cardinals, uh, you had some great tweets uh, just about, you know, what, what this Cardinals offense looks like, how predictable it was, how the Chiefs were able to kind of like run uh, the the Cardinals routes for them with their defensive backs. They you know, set they, up they... lawn chairs in the secondary where these receivers are going and just picking off passes left and right, not even needing to get off, not even needing to get on their feet. Cardinals are busted as hell. I don't know what they do well right now. There's nothing they do well. James Connors is a G, I guess, but that's about it. Uh, they managed to make Marquise Brown borderline useless in that game. Idiots. I cannot believe how bad Cliff Kingsbury is. Um, the Raiders have to win this game, right? Like I, I Cliff Kingsbury is not going to have some light go on after week one of 2022, all of a sudden. No, I, I, I think the Raiders are only going to get better. And I, I think that the, the Cardinals might, might only get worse. And I thought one of the interesting takeaways from this one uh, from, from the Cardinals side last week is how critical that the broadcast was of Isaiah Simmons like is it really just not working out for him I mean I, I thought coming yeah, out they're like, using him in could... a way that does not suit him and like basically mm-hmm. he's screwing up run fits and he's not being in the right places at the right time which I I feel like this is an easy fix just not one that the Cardinals are prepared to accommodate with their scheme I would just use Isaiah Simmons as uh, basically the way the Steelers use TJ Watt you know just just have him just have him stand over the edge and let the let the offense know. It's like, yeah, he's coming for you. Go ahead and try to stop him. We think he'll get there anyway. But the, instead, what they're trying to do is like, we got to use him in every different phase of defense. He's got to be in coverage. He's got to be in run defense and a little bit of pass rushing too. But all the stuff. 
It's like, just have him do what he's good at and stop asking him to be something he isn't. He's a huge, freakishly fast person. When, when he's in pursuit, he can just teleport across the field and just snatch guys with one hand and literally toss them like he already, like he did his rookie year. That's what he was doing. And now they have him playing on his heels and trying to read, read the offense, read the quarterback and the blockers. Like just tell him see ball, chase ball. That's yeah. I think they, they said that he has the, the green dot. So I think he's like calling the, calling the defense now. Yeah. Just, it's like literally the opposite of what you should be doing. They have no clue. They're a bust. So team. Does, Wall, does Waller feast this week? Everyone feasts. Whoever they throw yep. the ball to is feasting on this busted team. They can't play. Yep. So uh, green, green lights all around for the Raiders. Really like them in this spot at home. All right. Texans, Broncos. We just alluded to, you know, how how much the Broncos had to do with, with uh, the Seattle win on Monday night. Uh, they are still catching a, a pretty big number here, like nine and a half or ten, depending on, on the book you're looking at. Uh, it's at home early season altitude, all that good stuff. But the, I, I looked back over the last five years, the, the Broncos record against the spread when they're at home in September and it's 50, 50, like it, it's not like they've had a clear edge and obviously they haven't had particularly good teams. And that's been Hackett is the guy to fix that trend. I don't you know, know what? I, I don't. So yeah. I think the, te- the Texans, I think are going to continue to be disrespected by by the odds makers until you know, I, I don't know when exactly, but as long as they're getting these inflated spreads, I'll probably just keep riding with them. I think we're going to see an ongoing bit here where Nathaniel Hackett gets whooped by old school coaches. And uh, I don't I don't think the <laughs> Texans have it in them to win this game, but I, I definitely think they can make it uglier than the Broncos are ready for. And uh, Russell Wilson, uh, Mr. Unlimited, uh, is actually looking quite limited nowadays. That offense was training wheel stuff. Uh, it looked like Mac Jones last year or something, a number of like screen passes and little dump-offs that there were. Granted, Saubert dropped that one touchdown corner route, uh, a, a touchdown if Albert O'Quagwinham is running it, uh, just as it would have been a touchdown if Albert O'Quagwinham was running that Andrew Beck route where uh, Beck stumbled at the catch because it was people called it overthrown. It's only overthrown if the guy is too slow to catch up to it, and Albert O'Quagwinham would have caught up to it. It was busted coverage. He would have run for a touchdown. Uh, that's two touchdowns that they just – voluntarily gave away because Hackett is a very stupid man. And uh, I think he'll keep finding ways to blow it. I just don't know if he can blow it at the t- against the Texans at home. The, the clock management was so bad. I mean, like it, that you Manning know. clip is really funny. Uh, I don't watch their show usually, but that, that might've won me over. Cause it's just like 45 seconds of Peyton being like, something's wrong. Something's <laughs> wrong. And Eli just being like, huh? what? <laughs> even I know this one. <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, Wait a second, yeah, it was, coach. It was pretty funny because it just it Hackett's just turning red and not really he's just he's a frozen into into place. It's it's great. I, I I think Hackett deserves to keep losing if if he keeps being a a, a bit of an oaf and uh, by all accounts it's a mess there. Like like I was saying before, nobody respects him. He's got a crew of a bunch of weaklings with him. It's then you have to look at that corny goof doing his Mister Unlimited TikTok videos or whatever. It's awful. I would hate playing for them. Let's ride. Okay, let's get on over. Uh, next game, uh, Bengals-Cowboys. Obviously, we, we've said our piece about, about the Cowboys at this point. Uh, Bengals, you know, a weird result last week. You know, they were they were almost a touchdown favorite at home. Again, you know, the Steelers can, you know, make it tough, especially against their divisional opponents. 
but you know, the offensive line looked terrible. T Higgins gets banged up, you know, that's concerning, but against the Cowboys, even if it's on the road, Cowboys are soft. Yeah. Sealers, Sealers are tough and they're dirty and they were, they were getting, they, they were kind of roughing up the Bengals last week. Dallas, Micah Parsons aside, Dallas is not roughing up anybody and, and the team is soft. Yeah, I, th- I think the, the Bengals go in there and, and take that one uh, pretty uh, convincingly. Um, let's go Bears, Packers, Sunday Nighter. Um, this is a, another spot where I'm not taking any anything away from last week. Um, I, I think that the Bears, you know, they, they won because, you know, the, the Niners played a bad game and it was at home in crazy, crazy conditions. I think the, pa- the Packers, like, you have to be concerned in the long term uh, you know, about what this offense looks like, but it should, you know, start to come together at least a little bit. And they've just dominated the bears over the course of Aaron Rodgers' entire career. I just feel like the, the Packers get back on track in this one and, and like say it pretty loudly. Yeah. I don't know what they think they're doing on offense. Uh, Matt LaFleur looks like a weakling to me for this one thing. Uh, he's letting that GM push him around. Like Christian Watson missed all of training camp. He was doing, by all accounts, he was doing a terrible job before he got hurt. And they started Christian Watson in that game last week over Romeo Dobbs, over probably Sammy. Like, they, he might have played more snap. I guess he probably didn't play more than Watkins. But uh, Watson, of course, dropped that touchdown pass in the first play of the game. And it's like this you see all the time coaches saying, like, you got to be in practice to be in the game plan, you know? And they see things like McVay saying, like, Cam Akers is benched because uh, he was giving me bad vibes in training camp. And McVay's, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Shanahan benching Ayuk. He's like, I didn't like the way he uh, where he was wearing his pants. You know, that stuff, they'll just bench guys over nothing. And then LaFleur is like, oh, well, if you miss all of training camp and you suck every time we put you on the field, but we trade up in the second round to draft you, then you get to play no matter what. Like those other guys see that and they're like, why am I practicing so hard? What the hell am I busting my ass for if we're just going to have Watson out there to drop passes after I do all this work in practice? Um, it, it looked ridiculous and they got the result they deserved. Rodgers was a baby in that game. He, he checked out right after that play and he, he looked yep. at the side. You could see Rodgers was saying, don't play Watson because after he dropped that pass, Rodgers looked to the sideline and was like, I told you. And uh, you could see him kind of just start pouting from that point. But, uh, yeah, they, the Bears offense sucks. The Bears defense isn't that great. Uh, they're not going to have a hurricane bail him out. Uh, nope. So Packers win pretty easily. Yeah. Yep, I think so as well. And then we get treated to a Monday night doubleheader. I love these. We get Titans, Bills, and Vikes-Eagles. I think uh, Vikes-Eagles, but, uh, you know, we, we kind of get bookended to amazing really games good. this yeah. week. I'm really looking forward to that one. But, uh, quickly, let's unpack that Titans Bills. You know, hate the what, Titans. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know what? What are, this what are we looking at? Thing for isn't them? happening either. I mean, mm-hmm. like I know he's he's an okay player, but um, the 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 Titans don't have the budgeting ability to make an offense that goes at all. Like Derrick Henry doesn't get to 120 yards, it's over. So uh, I I think the Bills rock them. I, I do too. I thought that a couple of years ago too, and then they lost. So, and the Titans looked like crap before that game. So, I mean, yeah, I guess the rule is Vrabel only beats teams if he's like a 14 point underdog or whatever. So, keep, keep an eye out for that one. Uh, the line is 10. Uh, so, uh, something. Titans to, have to a be, chance. It's over nine and a half. So, you're saying there's a chance. And then uh, let's round it out Eagles, Vikings. Uh, 
Devontae Smith, WTF. That's just Jalen Hurts for you. I mean, he, he can barely complete basic passes. And I know in fantasy, we only really care about the point total. But it's, if you watch Jalen Hurts play, it is really ugly sometimes. Even though he plays smart, there's just so much he just cannot do. So one of the things he can't do reliably is, you know, anticipate a receiver getting open ahead of time and throwing an accurate pass, especially far to the sidelines, especially in tight windows. That just doesn't suit him. And Devontae Smith is an easy target to miss for obvious reasons. So it's never going to be easy to get them quite on the same beat, in my opinion. But Devontae is awesome. He will get open, including against the secondary. He can get – Devontae could probably get Patrick Peterson to sprain his ankle before this game is over and still catch, like, two passes for 25 yards, uh, especially given how dominant A.J. Brown is. But – uh Vikings corners probably match up a little bit better with Brown. It's just, I don't know if it matters because Brown doesn't need to get open to, to make sick catches, obviously. Yeah. And I, I think that, that Hertz is going to be, you know, I don't know if forcing is the right word, but you know, re- really kind of just getting locked on AJ Brown, you know, to, to the point where, you know, if it's not him, it's Goddard. Not the worst this... plan. But no. Yeah. Uh, so. The Vikings, I, I like this to be a shootout, though, because uh, if they can, if they can, if John Gannon keeps uh, Jordan Davis on the bench again for some reason, then uh, the Vikings should be able to run the ball. And Justin Jefferson kind of looks like he's on an all-time course. Definitely yes, not scared by any corners on this defense, even though there's some good ones. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think you you mentioned it sometime in August or, or late July that that Jefferson was your one-one. Uh, for for this season and uh, boy that looks good especially after <sighs> how Cup and McCaffrey looked right the McCaffrey thing is what's maybe bailing me out there but uh, <laughs> yeah I really I'm, I'm substantially invested in Jefferson obviously so I hope he can keep it up yeah he he looks just straight up unstoppable unbelievable I'm, I'm yeah, he's pumped doing, to... I, don't, I remember people were saying like Antonio Brown was the Jerry Rice of the 2000s and I I think you're going to see what someone really close to Jerry Rice actually looks like. And I think Jefferson's that guy. Big statement, but uh, hard to disagree um, at, at this point. Um, but that's going to wrap it up uh, for this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Big thanks to all of our sponsors. Be sure to catch the Friday show. That's Ryan Belanger and Scott Jenstad breaking down the DFS slates. They gave a lot of good picks last week that, that kind of helped uh, steer the direction of my lineup. So make sure you check those guys out. And then, of course, we got podcasts uh, rolling all week. And we we also have a new uh, Rotowire betting podcast that myself and Nick Whalen are on. So check that out. That that runs on Fridays as well. So again, this was the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Thanks for listening. Try Rotowire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try.